What's up, Dirt Bags? Episode 112. 112. Midwest, Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch. We're here. What's up? It's warmer. Yeah. Hey, have you seen, uh, you know, I, I I opened her up there and said, what's up, Dirt Bags? But uh, have you uh, been watching Bassmaster Live at all and seen uh, that on one of the Garmin uh, commercials, they call them, they say something about, what's up, you sons of fishes? <laughs> something like that. I'm, oh, yeah. That's I like that a the lot. The one with Bill Dance. That's yep. great. And the game warden comes up. He's like, can I see you boys' license? Are you boys yeah. that got a license? Nope. Nope. And he <laughs> jumps, jumps in. in right. No, I, I like that. I like it a lot. So, all righty. Well, uh, hey, guys, uh, Hooked on Hardwater episode today. Uh, that's coming up this at the end of this week. Um, we've got a Bassmaster tournament uh, at the end of this week. Um, so it's going to be a busy week. It, it is. And uh, you smell that, Matt? Yep. We got skunked yesterday. We did. We got skunked yesterday out on Okaboji. I mean, like full on skunked. Like not just like, hey, it wasn't a good day. We, we I mean, we we went into it planning on doing tip ups and tip ups only for Pike, and mm. we couldn't get a bass. We couldn't get nothing, nothing to go. I mean, it was flat out like. The Okaboji Pike mixer did not go so well. No, it sucked. It sucked bad. Makes me wanna. It's a good thing nobody showed up. Well, I mean, we, we Tanner came out, Top right. came out, my brother was along, and uh, I mean, yeah, but it, I mean, if you had at all thought about coming out there and meeting up with us, you didn't miss a dang thing. Well, you missed us. You would have been entertained. You would have been... Missed some hot dogs. Yep. You would have enjoyed yourself. Yep. Just not the fishing. Yep. So, uh, that's enough of that. We'll talk about it a little bit later on in the show, because I know that our guest is also... Uh, he also did a little tip-up fishing here in the last little bit, but uh, that's enough of it for now. Like, I don't want to talk about that's it. That's right. I don't want to talk about it. Bassmaster Tournament this weekend. Um, They're at the Tennessee River, I believe. At the Tennessee River out of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, I believe, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So uh, if you guys are in fantasy fishing, get your lineup set, or you're going to be dropping to the bottom. And, uh, you know, they say the cream always rises to the top, and I don't know, you know what I mean? <laughs> Here I am in second place. <laughs> yep, only one place to go. Yep. Up. Up. And a lot of places to go backwards. Down. So I'm in second place to stew, though, and that's just... Uh, that, I think every, It's like that kissing hurts your sister. I mean, it just... That hurts everybody. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks bad. It sucks bad. This is the week, you know... I mean, I feel like the other guys in the pool are even kind of pulling for me to just pass up stew. Just anybody. They're pulling yeah, for anybody, anybody to Right, I mean, they, they don't care. Just got to gotta make it happen. Sorry, Stu. <laughs> Sorry about your luck. But, um, nope, like I said, get your uh, get your lineup set. Hey, I got something coming through here. So, I can't say who, but a plastics maker, custom, you know, like uh, plastics, uh, you know, plastic baits, soft plastics. I'm just going to put this out there. He makes some ice fishing baits. I'm not saying who. I'm sworn to secrecy, but he makes them, and he's from the East Coast, and he doesn't have any hair. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so, I mean, like I said, I didn't say who, but this guy has graciously donated a whole bunch of bass baits to us, and uh, I think they're even going to be labeled, custom labels on them, dirt bag baits. Ooh. Um, and uh, he's going to send them out to us, and uh, the weekly winner – um, for every tournament is going to get a big old, uh, variety pack of, uh, bass baits. And, uh, I don't know. I'm pumped up about that. I appreciate, uh, this anonymous donor yep. and donating these, uh, these baits, but, uh, Hey, that's freaking awesome. It's very cool. It's like Christmas. It is. It's like Christmas in February. Dang right. It's exciting. And we can make it Christmas all the way till Second August. Christmas. Cause that's how long these tournaments go for. There's eight more. Guys, if you're not signed up, get Still signed can. up because you can get some custom bass baits. They probably work for walleye, guys. Settle yeah. down. So, all right, that's that. And now we're moving along to Hooked on Hard Water. 
Hooked on Hard Water. Hooked on Hard Water. We are going to be leaving this Thursday morning. Me, Matt, and Scott Mockentoon. Uh, if you don't know Scott Mockentoon, he's from Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, the big city of Minneapolis. <laughs> metro. Uh, grew up right in downtown. Uh, right on Hennepin I mean, Avenue. Yeah. Spent I most mean, of his youth. Exactly. In the shadows of the skyscrapers. And, uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's a big city kid, but... Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's coming down here and hopping in with the country boys and heading west. So, uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna take off uh, like a rocket sled on rails on Thursday morning. We're gonna get out there in time to uh, fish the tournament, and uh, yeah. So Thursday, uh, we got the tournament. Right. Tournaments Thursday, Thursday night. Uh, I think I don't I don't know. I've not even asked Craig about this, but uh, we've gotten some barbecue before. You know, done a whole bunch of. You know, everyone kind of gets together, eats, you know, uh, says hi, whatever. Uh, Friday morning, we kind of go off, uh, fish our own stuff. Friday night, we meet our boys. Saturday morning is the actual event. Saturday evening is the banquet. And if you want to get, if you want to go to the banquet, uh, I don't know, call the club for boys, something you can still, I think they still got some tickets. We'll ask Craig about that. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's that, uh. And this will be my third year doing it, Matt's second year doing it. And uh, so, you know, going into your second year, it feels a little bit better, don't it? A I lot mean, better. I mean, you just, you know what lot, to expect. A lot more comfortable. Yep. Um, know a lot of the guys that are involved with it now, right. kind of how everything sets up. So, yeah, I mean, definitely the nerves aren't what they were last year. It's, I'm really looking forward to it. I think I can kind of slow down this year and enjoy like really enjoy it more since you kind of know what yep what is going on and yeah i i'm really looking forward to it i I know exactly what you're talking about just the slowing down deal you know my first year you know it's it's me and my pickup and a trailer yeah by myself and i don't know anybody (laughs) like nobody like i didn't i mean nobody i didn't i had messaged back and forth with craig just a few times and here I am, do, 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 do. You know, showing up, dumb old Scott from freaking Northwest Iowa that doesn't have a clue. But hey, I mean, you fake it till you make it, and look and at us now. <laughs> look at us now. Holy moly! So, whatever. You got to feel kind of like a seasoned veteran now. I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn, but I mean, I'm kind of, I mean, basically the top dog, basically. <laughs> Nope, just still a little pup dog out there in the big world of the big sharks. And, uh, nope, it's, it's freaking awesome though. I mean, everyone who's out there is freaking awesome. Uh, I mean, awesome, awesome anglers, awesome, awesome people. And, uh, I don't know it, it, you know, I know it's for the boys, but I, I feel like I pull more away from it, you know, just, just for me and my heart, you know, I pull more away from it, but you know, I mean, you learn, these guys are awesome anglers and and you learn from every single one of them that you go out and you hit the ice with, you know, they're doing stuff different than, you know, than what I'm doing and and I'm learning and I love it. Yeah. I guess that's all there is to be. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's, it's just one of those events. If you can make it to the banquet, make it to the banquet. Oh dude. That, I mean, that's me and Kayla the first year. I mean, I, I wasn't a pro. I, I wasn't anything. I mean, I was, I was, yeah, just, just me and Kayla. We just drove out there just to go to the banquet. Cause I had seen it on Facebook and I thought, man, this is something that I have got to go and see and be a part of. And so that's, that's how it happened. Yeah. So. Just in, uh, just the backdrop of the black Hills. It's just, it's just a cool place to be and just a fun event. Hopefully the weather's like it was last year. I think I mean, it's going to be. It, it's, I do see that Saturday is the coldest day, but I mean, there's a lot of days, you know, that are, you know, mid thirties, you know, even, yeah. uh, I think down in rapid, you know, even low forties. So I yeah. mean, Hey, we're, we're going to, I think we're going to have pretty good driving weather. That's the key. That's the key. That like happens very uh, rarely. We were surprised last year that we, yeah, it made, doesn't. The roads up in the hills were a little slick. My first year was garbage. Was it? Oh, my God. It was <laughs> so bad. So bad. Like, they had gotten freezing rain, and it was just nonstop ice all the way out there. And then it snowed on top of it. We ended up that's, having to stay an extra that's right. day. You did. Yep. So, but I did catch a Laker on that extra day. So, oh, I mean, all right. hey, you know, I mean, 
it wasn't a total positivity. Kick. It wasn't a total kick to the nuts. That's so. right. Well, uh, you know, I guess we can sit here and we can talk about hooked on hard water all we want, but uh, in order to truly talk about hooked on hard water, we got to have the captain of hooked on hard water. That's Mr. Craig Oiler, and we're going to get over to him. Hey, Craig, how's it going, man? I am very good. How are you, fellas? Well, doing I'm, all right. I mean, uh, the day was going pretty good, and and you know, I, um, we had some good anglers back out on us, and so you know, it was <laughs> like, hey, uh, man, what are we going to do? All right, let's let's find the B roll guys, and uh, yeah, Craig. Hey, Craig, you're kind of like the field so, goal kicker for so. us. We can't get a touchdown, so we'll just settle for the three points. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, old reliable. I guess that's what I am. I, I, uh, I guess if I gotta be something, it might as well be that. <laughs> it's it's better than nothing. At least you're on the field. Hey, sometimes the field goal kicker wins you the big game. So. That's right. There you go. <laughs> well, Craig, uh, I don't know why I like you guys. Yeah, we, we can't figure it out either. <laughs> you so. just yeah. you're, you're you're like an old dog. You just keep coming back for more. <laughs> Well, Craig, before we uh, before we brought you in there, uh, me and Matt were just kind of talking about hooked on hard water and how much it means uh, to us. But we got to ask you, man, uh, when you started this, what what is it? Seven or eight years ago? This is year number eight. This is year number eight. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, think, man, that this is what it could end up being? No, no. And and to be honest, I look back at. Uh, when we first started and well, my first instinct is to slap myself. If I could go back eight years and say, don't do it, don't do it. But, uh, it's a lot of work and I'm kidding about that. I mean, it's worth every minute of stress and lost sleep and, and effort we put into it. But for me, looking back eight years ago, we, when, when I approached the board members of the rapid city club for boys and I, I had this idea and I thought, Hey, we could get some, some kids fishing, bring some pros in the area, maybe do a fundraiser. They they just kind of had a general rule that if they're going to put forth a fundraiser and, and the effort that it takes to to do that, they need to raise at least $5,000. And I remember thinking to myself, well, there's no way we could do that. Um, I racked my brain, what can we do to do it? And I just, I knew we wouldn't, but so, so to cover my, my butt with it, I said, let's not look at this as a fundraiser. Let's look at it as a, a program activity to get these boys, because we're involving boys. Most fundraisers don't involve 60, 70 boys. So we can't look at it as a, as a fundraiser. We we just take it as a program that raises a little bit of money and hopefully pays for itself and call it good. And, and they bought that. They bought into it and thought, man, that's a really good idea. You know, let's just focus on getting the boys the experience and hopefully with any luck will pay for itself. Well, we ended up making $12,000 that first year and we thought, holy smokes, we're, we're on to something and what can we do to grow? And so we set this lofty goal of making $20,000 the next year. And, and it, it obviously has evolved last year. We, we cracked over a hundred thousand dollars raised in one year. And, and, and the, the cool thing about it is, is we're not raising money to keep the lights on in the building. We're, we're not raising money to, to pay the bills for anything other than outdoor activities. And that, uh, I mean, you guys are outdoorsmen. Uh, obviously I'm an avid outdoorsman and that's the most important thing to me is making sure our youth knows what there is outside of the Xbox. And I mean, I'm guilty of it. I have one in my house and my son loves playing Fortnite on it, but, uh, he also knows that when it's time to shut it off and go outside, we go outside and he enjoys every minute of that as well. And, and, and a lot of these kids down there don't have that opportunity. So uh, to be able to fund outdoor programming through the entire year now, and, and when I say funded, I, we're buying bicycles for the kids in the summertime. We're buying archery equipment in the fall, and we're buying all this stuff for these boys so they they not only have the interest, they have the tools to be able to go out and do that. And, and that is so much bigger than I ever imagined. It's not even funny. It's it's humbling to me. I mean, as I talking, I've got goosebumps, and it just it it truly is. I, I know I overuse the word humbling, but it, it is. It's humbling that uh, you know not only did the pros like you guys uh, sacrifice your time, uh, time away from work, time away from your family, and there's expense involved, and then you're you're buying stuff at the auctions. It's uh, 
it's humbling that you're willing to do that. But then just even our community, how much it's wrapped its arms around this event. It's pretty, pretty amazing, really. I, I just, uh, I don't have no other word than I'm a truly humbled man. Now, now, when you first decided that you were going to do this, did you know that the number was going to be 60 and 60? Or, I mean, were you thinking 25 and 25 and, and you just ended up getting more guides that, that wanted to be a part of it? Or, or how did you how did you come up with that number? And, and how hard was it for you to rack up the guys that you did? So it was uh, uh, another crazy thing. So that first year, so how, what it, it started was we had a local organization called the Black Hills Anglers, and it was just a fishing club, and they would hold this derby to raise funds for their um, their their club activities. And when they they decided they were going to cancel this derby because it was too much work, they were actually getting ready to shut down the, the fishing club altogether. And so I approached them and said, can I take over? that derby and make it a fundraiser for the boys club. And, and I, I thought that would be, you know, just a fun thing to do, host this derby, raise some funds. And, and they just said, you know, it's not that easy. I thought, well, if we can get boys involved, then we could make it a little easier. And, and well, how do I get boys involved without mentors helping them? And so that's kind of how it parlayed into what it is now, because I thought, well, to get boys out there, I got to get mentors out there. Well, the, I didn't know that many uh, people in the area that were, you know, quote unquote pros that would be willing to take the time to teach these boys. So I thought, well, I'll just reach out to some of my friends through uh, the various pro staffs that I held. And, and with that, I, I thought, well, let's start with 40. So we, our goal was 40 boys and 40 pros and see what happens. And I think I ended up with 30 36 pros and 42 boys or something like that. And, and then we thought, well, maybe we could bump it up to 50 the following year. And I was quickly found out that after the word spread of what, how heartwarming that event was and, and just the positive positivity that came out of it, then I had people knocking on my door asking to be a pro and, I'd go up to Clam for the pro day and, you know, 20 people would approach me and say, hey, how do I get in on Hooked on Hardwater? So I was like, well, let's bump it up to 60. And 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 we're just at that number just because uh, you guys know where we're staying for cabins. I, I just I can't fit any more people in out there. So it's kind of what we're stuck at is 60. If, logistically, if we could put 100 people out here, I would. But we just we can't because uh, because of all that. So, right. So when you first pitched this, how many people were like, Craig, you are absolutely crazy. We can't be doing this. Or, or was it everyone besides you? I think the biggest thing was people were just saying, do you realize how much work this is going to be? And at that time. And did you uh, realize I, how much work it was going to be? No, I didn't <laughs> have a clue. Yeah. I still don't have a clue. Um, no, that first year, uh, it, it was me and a gal at the Club for Boys uh, she's the program director. Her name is Carrie Redman. Her and I did everything. And it was a crazy amount of work. And, and we've since uh, evolved into, uh, we have a true board that helps run it. Uh, we've got committees and subcommittees. And all said and done, I think we have 20 people that are actively involved in, in getting everything going and as it should be. So it's definitely uh, grown. Um there's been some growing pains. We we thought maybe the the banquet wasn't quite worth doing it and, and doing stuff like that. So we you know you guys or Scott you were there the one year we didn't have the banquet and and although it was fun we just we missed out on a lot of uh, opportunity to raise funds for for the event and um, now you know we've got the ATV raffle which that's a huge huge part of it and. And that's really boosting the success of this whole event. So just a lot of things, you know, like anything, you have uh, uh, growing pains and there's a learning curve. And, and every year we try to evolve as much as we can and stay with the times and, and just do what we can to make it as positive as an experience as possible, but then also as beneficial of an experience, too, for the Club for Boys. Awesome. Now, now the uh, the banquet, you know, was back last year, but it's back bigger this year uh where's that going to be at and and anybody that's out in rapid city can come correct 
Well, correct until we sell out, and uh, there's more than likely we will sell out. We we moved it to a bigger venue. It's still on the same at the the fairgrounds of Rapid City. It's at the same fairgrounds complex, but we're on the east end of the complex now in what they call the Jamie Kerstad Event Center, and it's just a huge venue. I mean, it'll seat 3,000 people, but we went with bigger just because we're, our goal was to hit 500 attendees, um, but then still be able to keep social distancing and everything like that as as necessary and um right now it's crazy last year we sold 167 tickets to the banquet the day of the event uh right now we're 130 tickets from being sold out so um if a person wants to go they need to get their tickets now that's for sure um hopefully I, I can't imagine it won't sell out. Hopefully it does. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy to think that, you know, you the this event or the venue we had last year, it was packed, and I think we had 400 people in there. And, yeah, now it's going to be 100 more and a little bit bigger venue, so it should be a lot more comfortable too. Now, with everything that has been going on this last year, is has it been more of a challenge this year for you setting it up or – haven't you hit a lot of speed bumps that you expected to? Um, you know, it, it actually hasn't. Uh, South Dakota, as you know, we've we've taken COVID seriously here, but also uh, our, our governor has allowed us to um, take care of ourselves a little bit too. And, and so we've been able to continue on with all our planning. So we haven't run into anything like that. Um, the pros, I think a lot of them are ready for a break, and, and that's one thing we did do with cabins this year is we, we've got an extra cabin, so we were able to not cram them in, everyone in so tight and into these cabins for staying. And and it was totally optional. I wouldn't judge anybody for not wanting to come out because of COVID or anything like that, and thankfully there hasn't been any issues like that at all. And, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll accommodate anyone in anyone's uh, feelings and just make sure that they're all uh, taken care of. We'll have hand sanitizing stations and masks can, will be provided for people that want to wear a mask and, and uh, tables will be spread out. So stuff like that there, I just, uh, we shouldn't have any issues at all. Nice. Now I saw you put all the Cox boys uh, all in the same cabin. Is that because there's a hitching post outside of that cabin? <laughs> well, not so much the hitching post, but, uh, they're calving right now, and I don't know if you've been around very many ranchers when they've been calving. They don't smell good, and I just didn't want to put that on anybody else or any, you know, I, who wants to stay with a bunch of stinky cowboys, really? I mean, at the end of the day, I just figure that's the safest place to put them. You're not wrong true. there. You're not wrong. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of wondering if Matt's been calving. I couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there doing ranch yeah, things ranch, in northwest iowa work hard ranch hard <laughs> no i'm probably the furthest from a rancher so now now you know you, you talked a little bit about you know that this last year you know with everything going on in the world and you know uh there, there's obviously a lot of disappointed people did you think at all about not uh pairing a boy with uh with buddy signer just to not disappoint him <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, the thought hadn't crossed my mind, but now that we're there, we're not too late. I mean, we can definitely put some I could mo- take actions two, into motion here. I could take two boys, I'm saying that. He, he big times everybody, so he's a, he's been social distancing from people from a long t- for a long time. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm hoping he listens to this on the way out to the Black Hills and, and, and listens to that <laughs> shot and, you know, just starts starts the weekend off right because there's a lot of big time and going to be happening this next weekend. You know, the problem with Buddy not having a boy is he would just drive around and tell everybody what they're doing wrong and say, oh, no, you need to be teaching your boy this thing. And then he'd drive to the next person, oh, you should be teaching your boy that. And he would probably get shoved down a hole before the day's over. He would. You know, he probably wouldn't even show up. He'd big time the whole entire hooked on hard water. He'd he'd probably find a friend out there, you know, and and go and and leave all of us, you you know, tell us that he's coming, you know, and going to be spending time with us whatever and, and then he just won't show up i that's that's He'd a buddy signer move he would he, he would, would. Ju- he would just go fly fishing and snub us all yep that that doesn't surprise me one bit out of him yep he'd show up for that free food though 
Yo, you better believe it. You better believe it. <laughs> oh, geez. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Craig, you know, before we, before we're done with hooked on hard water, I, I shouldn't say done with hooked on hard water, but before we're done discussing hooked on hard water, um, if, if, is there any way, you know, somebody that might be listening to this, can they still, you know, make a donation? Can they still do anything to help this event out? The, the absolute best way to help out. And I get asked a lot from people is how can they be a part of it? What can they do to help? And it's sponsor boy program. And it's a hundred dollar donation. They, that hundred dollars goes to make sure that we have a warehouse full of coats and bibs and boots and gloves and stocking caps and everything that a boy needs to be comfortable out on the ice. Because you guys know as well as anybody, if you get cold out on the ice, it's not fun. Uh, There's nothing fun about it. And there's usually no way to recover from it once you're cold it's hard to warm up again oh yeah and so so we try to make sure that these boys show up uh on the ice with all the gear they need because the first year we did it we had them showing up in t-shirts and sweatpants and or not t-shirts but uh tennis shoes and sweatpants and and that that first year we got like four or five inches of snow on the ice and then it just we realized really really quickly that uh we need to be better prepared and and a lot of those funds uh, will buy the clothes and the, everything needed for them. And then if the boys forgot them, they can leave the, the hats and coats and gloves back at the boys' club. But if they truly don't have it, then they can take it home with them. That way they've got their clothing for the rest of the winter. And and that's a pretty neat program that we started a few years back, and it's really taken off. It's It's just a good way to ensure these boys – have the tools necessary to succeed out on the ice now you know when my first year and and last year uh when we got paired up with our boys the the night you know with the meet and greet uh one of the things that we did was you know we actually had a checkoff sheet that to make sure that each boy had what they needed to and if they didn't you guys have like a big loan closet you know, like you were just referring to that, uh, you know, if, if they need socks, if they need gloves, you guys have, you know, a lot of used stuff, new stuff, but we can go in there, find the stuff that fits and, and, you know, it's the boys for that Saturday. And, and did you say for the year, if needed? Yeah, absolutely. If they don't have it, if they truly don't have the the means to get that warm linen jacket, then yes, they can take it home with them and, and it's theirs. And, if they choose to return it at the end of the winter, that's on them, but it's not necessary by any means. That's because awesome. That's awesome. I, I mean, if they need it, then then why not be the program that gives it to them? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. Now, uh, Craig, yesterday me and Matt went out, and we uh, we ran a couple tip-ups, and this morning you were out running a couple tip-ups. Uh, did you do any better than us? <laughs> You had to ask that. Uh, no, it was. No, you couldn't, you, you couldn't do any worse than us. You might have tied us, but you <laughs> hey, couldn't wind, do worse. The wind put up a couple of flags, got us a little excited. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was tough. And, and what's funny, and I, I, try to, I try to be as scientific thinking and come up with the reasoning behind a lot of things, and, and we just got our butts kicked. Chris Peters was out there yesterday with his wife, and, uh, some friends of theirs, and they had themselves a day out on the ice. They, I don't know how many fish they caught, but they caught a lot of lot of walleyes in that 18 to 22 inch range, and they just knocked it dead. And and we were kind of planning on going up to Ormond anyway, but then you hear a story like what Chris had and the day he had, like oh yeah, we're going there. So we met up with Chris this morning, and. The wind was blowing, and I think it was a little bit colder out. It was definitely colder because of the wind, but I think the temps were just a little bit chillier than it was yesterday, and and it did nothing but blow all day, and it was just miserable. We'd hide out inside the cab of my side-by-side just to get get a break from the wind, and we'd caught uh, – I didn't catch anything. Brian caught a, like a 6-inch walleye and maybe a 13-inch walleye, and that was the only fish we saw all day long. It was horrible just not fun at all um i don't know it, it goes to I, i'm a firm believer in uh barometric pressure when it comes to fish bites and and how it affects that and 
and you know if there's a uh, strong pressure system moving in with that wind and the shuttle bites down I, I that was the epitome of that today so um that's my excuse anyway so i don't know what you guys excuse is that must have been it too yeah same thing that dang barometric that pressure. pressure it, it Jeez, uh, i'm looking at the weather app it looked like it's bluebird skies over there yesterday i guess i don't know what you guys are talking about but Whatever. Tell yourself what you want. Yeah, well, we weren't fishing at home. You don't well, the know sun was we in our fishing. eyes when yeah. we were trying to set yeah. up the tip-ups, and that, that had <laughs> a major go. effect had on a, it. Had the tip-ups facing the wrong direction. Yep. That's, that's what it was. That's what it was. It was a rookie mistake, but we didn't yep. want to look like pros out there. <laughs> People just follow you around when that happens, well, and, right? and, I mean, we have that, you know, we have that the way it is. I mean, you know, they, they see Matt, and they're like, hey, that guy must need some help out there, and, and they get following us around, and... <laughs> It's like no it works. guys, yeah. It works. It's it's kind of like a hooked on hard water program. Whenever Matt hits the water, he he gets a pro, gets paired up with him, and they just kind of take him out there. Most of the time, they I'm just the don't. Pro. They don't know that they're the that they're paired up with me. I'm just following them around, stealing their spots, <laughs> GPS, and no, we uh no, we didn't get any like none. We didn't we didn't have any luck. And uh, we went and we bought chubs, and I mean we're feeling good. And like I mean I, I all but you all right, Oiler? What's that? Oh, I thought you fell over. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Oh no, I was just adjusting my earbud. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no, we'll do that again. Oh hey, you can you can just give us a warning because I was like, hey, I didn't know if I needed to call nine one one for you over there. I thought the mountain lion was coming back to finish the job. <laughs> That's awesome. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> no, we uh, we had the chubs down, and uh, you know I'm feeling good. We all but had these pike pickled, and never never came around. So they just never got the memo. So, did you guys fish for anything else, or were you strictly watching flags the whole day? We kind of resorted to finally drilling a few holes to try to jig for some bluegills, but it was pretty much a northern tip-up fishing expedition. We set up a, what do we have, about what we could have up and left a couple options open if we wanted to jig for them, but that's kind of what we did. Did you catch anything jigging? Our buddy Adam caught one bluegill and... Tanner caught a couple. Tanner caught a couple. He had a camera down, and uh, I never even put a Vexlar in the, in the hole to... Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. But we grilled some dogs and yeah, that that was good. Flipped each other some crap. So drank a bunch of Mountain Dew. Well, Brian and I were just talking about it. even though it was a, a miserable day out on the ice, it was fun, and uh, we I mean we really did enjoy ourselves. But we don't want to do it again tomorrow. That's for sure. Right. Now, now were you using traditional tip ups or were you using uh, uh, like Arctic Warriors? arctic warriors that's all we run i oh, okay i especially especially for perch and walleyes and crappie uh yeah i just to me there's no better effective way of fishing for them than the arctic warriors you know tip-ups they're just so cumbersome and and yeah i just i don't know i i just so sold on the arctic warrior system that that's uh just what i want to do you know it, it uh when you get them partnered up with the seesaw rod, then you get those bait feeder reels. I, I, Scott, I think you ended up getting some yep, of the yep. bait feeder reels too, right? I mean, it yep, just, I'm running that exact I, setup. I, I just, I'm so confident when I have those in the water that if I get the flags, then we're going to catch those fish. But like I say, we just weren't getting the flags, so no, it was I, tough. I got to ask you. So yesterday, you know, it, it was cold enough here in Northwest Iowa that. Uh, I mean, it, it didn't take very long at all, and that hole was going to be froze up. Now, when if you would be tending a flag and you'd run out there and you see that that hole is, is uh, you know, very well skimmed over, I mean, a decent little sheet of ice on there, do you knock that down first? or Before I'm, I pick up the rod? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Before I even touch the rod, I, I break the ice around the hole. Or around the line, just to make sure um, I can reel it up and feel the fish, do whatever I can. But yeah, usually you know you just hit it with your hand a little bit, it'll break it yeah, apart. Yeah, just bust it open just a smidge. And... Yep. Okay. Yep. And you know, today it was uh, something that 
I never really put any thought into, but today the wind was blowing so much that it was filling our hole full of snow. And so then it was just slushed over. Right. And I started cleaning that slush out, but then at the end of the day, the slush was keeping the, the holes from freezing. And so that was probably the best insulation we could have had was just that slush. So I ended up leaving it that way. And, and then they never froze over the rest of the day after that. It would just, if, if I were to catch a fish, it, it would have been able to come right up through the slush, but uh, that and I never got to test my theory. Right. No, I just, I, like I said, at, at the beginning of the year, like one of my main goals this year was to catch a fish on a tip up. And here we are in the middle of February towards the end of February. And I still haven't done it. And I really thought yesterday was going to be the day. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't have any experience with that. And I, yesterday, as I was pulling those Arctic warrior, uh, up at the end of the day, you know, or, or when we would move spots, I was like, huh, you know, I, I didn't know if I should really be disturbing the line or I don't know. Hey, I'm, I'm still a rookie guys. I'm still a rookie. Uh, a lot of times what I'll do, if it's a slow period, I'll uh, leave the Arctic warrior in the bracket flag set everything. And I'll pull my line up just to check the bait and then drop it back down just to get some movement around there. Maybe that'll be enough to attract a fish that was swimming by or something, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about disturbing the line or doing anything like that. I just, uh, just do what you can to try and draw those fish in. Yep. What do you, what are you running for line on yours? Um, my, for like the, my perch and walleye rods, I just run six pound fluorocarbon, that frost line from clam. Yep. Um, yep. Just six pound. It seems to do plenty good for everything we throw at them anyway. Now, I saw, you know, a while back I had wrote on Facebook, I was wondering, you know, what line everyone was using. And Dan Hogue said uh, that he uses six-pound monofilament, and so that's what I ended up going with. And I'm sure, I mean, realistically, the monofilament or the or the uh, fluorocarbon, I mean, I'm, I'm probably about in the same boat. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference, really. I just, um, I buy a lot of the fluoro in bulk, so I've got it. Um, so that's just what I, I use. You know, I, I don't think that, um, like, especially on a, a setup like that, I don't think it would matter if it was mono or floral. I don't really, I, I, I'm half tempted just to switch everything back to mono. Um, fishing with Gens a while back, he, he said people that fish with floral are wasting their money. So I, I tend to listen to what he says. So maybe I'm just <laughs> wasting my money on fluorocarbon. That's what so. I've been thinking this whole time too. <laughs> I, I was trying to tell you this whole time, Craig, but, you know, it just wasn't listening. Took, oh, I, need took to, I need to start listening to, to you more. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the guy that's never caught a fish on a tip-up <laughs> on how to tip up fish. <laughs> Everyone knows that. No. No, well, you know what? Let's be done talking about skunk tip-up trips. I appreciate yeah, that. I want to move on from it. Okay, let's move on from this. Let's. let's... We tried. Yeah. We tried. we tried. We even moved like three times. Yeah. So that sucked. Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, fishing license costs. Now, uh, I put a deal out on Facebook here the other day uh, for fishing license costs, and uh, I got nearly a thousand people that wrote back. Uh, I put it in a Minnesota page, and I put it in a South Dakota page. Um, and uh, what what do you guys, you two, what do you guys feel is a reasonable price for a fishing license? Both resident, resident and non-resident. Yep. Yeah. I'm, um, you go ahead, Greg. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, for me, I guess maybe for, we're talking an annual license, right? Yep. Yep. I would say fifty bucks resident, seventy-five non-resident. Okay. I, I I would be able to um, pay that and not feel guilty about it. Um, I, I guess for me. I'm a believer that those funds that we're putting forth are going to better our fisheries. And, and maybe I'm ignorant for feeling that way, but um, I, I still put a little trust in the greater good. And I'm hoping that that's what they're doing with our, our money with that. So um, I'm all for improving our fisheries when, when and where they can. So if it's 50 bucks to fish at home and 75 bucks to go to Minnesota and fish, then I would do that. Matt? I guess I'm kind of with that uh, as far as the group that was kind of the 25 and 50. 25 and 50? Just for the fact of, I mean, 
yeah, us hardcore fishermen are going to pay it probably a lot of times, no matter what they put it as. But a lot of times you get that, you know, that family that wants to try it, you know, that dad wants to bring out a kid or something. And they're just like, uh, 50 bucks for a, you know, for a resident fishing license. I don't know if I'm going to do that. If I'm only going to go out a few times where they might more be, might be more adapt to, uh, be like oh 25 bucks ain't bad i'll buy it i'll buy a year license or even if you have buddies that are just you're trying to convince to come with you and you start throwing it out there you know it's 50 bucks for a license and you know they they kind of are a little hesitant i think compared to saying like hey it's 25 bucks for a license you know and obviously all these states since we're talking about an annual one and not like a three-day license or something like that i just feel like doing something like that you might get more people to be involved with it and uh like i said i really feel like the hardcore fishermen are going to pay it no matter what if it's 60 70 bucks and then as far as the out-of-state license goes you know just double what the resident annual fee is is kind of how i feel about that i don't think it needs to get astronomical or anything like that and a lot of people will talk a lot of times and be like well look at how much it is for like a deer tag in your state well that's just you can't compare them i'm kind of tired of people comparing a fishing license to a deer license in my opinion so i agree so one thing, as you were talking, I just thought of, um, why should it be more for a non-resident angler? They, you, you know, you think about it, I'm going to fish a hell of a lot less than the resident anglers are in your area, so why should I pay more to fish there for a few days? No, I, 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 that's a valuable... I'm just so used to paying uh, more for it, but so yeah, I didn't even think twice when I came up with my answer to you, but, uh, you know, maybe it should be the same, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, we're just like end up spending money on motel rooms and and everything else. I'm spending more money in that state anyway. So right, and you know, like, I guess you know, you are are pretty far on the western side of South Dakota. For us, I mean, we are so extreme in Northwest Iowa. I mean, like we've said before, we're literally four minutes from the Minnesota border and 15 minutes from the South Dakota border. I mean it. I mean, for us to be able to fish 360 degrees around our hometown, we have to buy three different fishing licenses, one being our, you know, our resident and two non-residents. And, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, do we have to? No, we, we don't have to. I get that. But I, I, I do agree there. You know, I mean, for, for those guys that are going to make a trip, you know, six days a year, I mean, you can't buy a three-day license. You can't even buy a one-day license. You know, I mean, if it's if it's six days, you know, on on four separate trips, you gotta buy a yearly license. And yeah, the the guy that that lives in South Dakota or, or Minnesota or Iowa, I mean, is going to be doing far less than that or far more than that. I agree. Hmm. I'd say, that's I the mean, first thing we've ever agreed on. Well, that's a good point that you brought <laughs> up. I mean, why does it have to like be? that more expensive for a non-resident i mean maybe a good idea instead of being you know double what the resident is you just take you know and add what half of the resident license is and just add it to a non-resident or something i don't know why that's a good question that'd be a good question asking me why why is it that way i mean right no and and you know one of the other things that i got back from a lot of people was you know i'd i'd pay you know triple i'd pay five times you know i'd pay you know, $1,500 for a license if that's what they wanted. And I get that. And, and I think these people are, uh, you know, I mean, they, they mean it in, in a good way, you know, that, that they love fishing and they, you know, they believe in the cause so much that they'd be willing to pay $1,500. But I mean, by you saying that you were willing to pay $1,500, I mean, you are making it truly un, you know, uh, unaffordable to, I mean, probably, right, 75, you know, 99% of the people, you, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, just because you're willing, I mean, maybe Elon Musk is willing to pay $20,000 for a fishing <laughs> right. license. How do you like that? You know, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it, it you know, we got to make it so that every single person can, can be able to fish. And, you know, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm probably closer to the people that are like, hey, I don't think we should pay anything. I mean, I'm I'm a resident of this state. Who owns these fish? Who owns them? Right. I mean, who does? Nobody. Nobody does. I mean, us as United States citizens do. I don't know. I feel like my birth certificate's my fishing license. Am I wrong? 
No, I mean, in that aspect, you are right. But, I mean, like Craig said a little bit earlier, if, if the license fees go to pay for, like, the upkeep of it, uh, for the conservation officers, for the studies, for the DNR and all that stuff, the games, fish, and parks, I mean, then, yeah, you're willing to pay it. And there, that that's kind of like he said, you're kind of hoping, you know, you got that feeling that you hope that that's where it's all going and it's going 100% back into... And I, I, I and, and that's why I do pay, you know, I mean, obviously I do pay because I don't want to end up in jail and I want to keep my right to fish. And I mean, I do 100% believe that my money is being spent in the right spot, but, uh, I'll guarantee you that those people that say that, Oh, we want $1,500 fishing licenses. Well, your fishing license is, you know, $40. Are you throwing 1460 Right, that's dollars. It. You know, at you know, I mean, you you're free to donate right. that money if you do feel it. so strongly about do it. Do it. I you mean, think put anyone your money is? where your mouth is if you're going to run your mouth like that? Craig, what are you thinking? I don't know what I'm thinking. I honestly, I just uh, that it's funny because you really opened a can of worms with that question. I, I keep going back and forth in my mind, like, what is the right thing? What is the wrong thing? And and, and another. You know why are the states so different? You know, I was not too expensive of a non for a non-resident to get a, a annual license in, and then yeah, forty-eight dollars. I've got I've got all of them right here. It's forty-eight dollars in Iowa for a non-resident. What is it for South Dakota? I don't even know. Along with the stamp, now it's ninety-seven. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, I guess the fishing is more than twice as good in South Dakota as it is in Iowa. But the so people maybe are twice as dumb, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, South Dakota people, do not oh, quit listening. We're just doing this because we got a South Dakota guy on. That was a joke. It was a joke. Oh, geez. No, well, it wasn't a good one. <laughs> no, you know, we'll, we'll quick run down here. Uh, I've got them all, you know, here in the upper Midwest. Uh, for, for resident fishing license, uh, South Dakota and Nebraska are the most expensive at $38, and the South Dakota one is with a $10 uh, uh, stamp with that. Um, Minnesota's at 25 Iowa's at 22 and the cheapest is going to be uh, uh, North Dakota at $18. Um, Iowa and North Dakota are the cheapest at $48 for non-residents. Uh, Nebraska being expensive again, up at eighty-four dollars. Uh, the other ones are at fifty, and then there's South Dakota up at ninety-seven. You know, one of the things you know that I kind of talked about is, you know, say four guys here in in Northwest Iowa are going to take a fishing trip up to, you know, say we're thinking in the Watertown area. If if I can buy a fishing license in North Dakota for forty-eight dollars, and it's basically a hundred dollars in South Dakota. We can save $50 by making that trip, $50 a person by making that trip a North Dakota trip versus a South Dakota trip. We could drive to Devil's Lake for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then you got to hire a guide when you get there because have you ever tried fishing Devil's Lake on your own? Hey, yesterday speaks for itself. We don't need no guide. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about uh, Sakakawea? I I don't know. I mean, you know, they're, they're... how about how about that that mountain or that uh, lake there in the Turtle Mountains? Yeah, no, it, uh, you're not wrong. That's for sure. It's uh, um, if you got a group of six guys, you can hire a guide for that money. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, um, it's funny, very very intriguing question, and I, I don't know where I stand with it yet. I still haven't made my mind. Well, as, there, you as a re- as a South Dakota resident resident how do you feel about that added uh habitat fee deal that they added to your regular license well they made it just cheap enough to where it's not worth making a stink about you know at ten dollars it's like yeah well it sucks but whatever and if it had been much more i'm sure there'd been a lot more of a a stink raised with it but do you think that they're smarter doing it that way or just saying a resident license is $38 because now it's kind of like, well, now you're telling us you're adding a habitat fee to it. Well, where's our, like, isn't that kind of what our license is, is basically a big habitat fee that we're paying to upgrade all this stuff now? They they had it designated for something different, and I didn't even look into it enough to know exactly what they were designating that for. Um, I, I wish I did off the top of my head, but 
Um, there again, I, I'm probably ignorant, but I, I believe they're doing the right thing by by what they're doing. So I just am going with it and not going to let it bother me too much. But, um, yeah, it's just I'm probably of that extreme where whatever they're going to charge me, I'm going to pay it and I'm not going to stop fishing. So um, I, I probably haven't got upset about it like I should be just because it's it is what it is because no matter what i'm going fishing tomorrow and there's nothing going to stop me so if it's 10 more dollars and it's 10 more dollars and i'm going fishing right right i mean we're that way in iowa we have a habitat fee for hunting i mean you can buy a small games license but then you got to buy a habitat fee to hunt certain things so craig being a south dakota resident how much do you how much do you dislike out-of-staters fishing your bodies of water doesn't bother me a bit now, one thing that I bring I... in 60 of them here next weekend, so <laughs> right. obviously it doesn't bother me. Now, one thing that I noticed, though, you know, like I said, I, I posted this in a South Dakota deal and I posted this in a Minnesota deal. The the South Dakota guys, they really don't like us out-of-staters. The Minnesota people seem to embrace it a little bit more. Have, have you ever seen that? I mean, is that anything that you've really experienced? Well, I think a lot of it, I, I haven't, and just for the simple reason is Western South Dakota isn't the destination. When people talk about coming to South Dakota, they're going to the river. They kind of stop stop at the river and stay east of there, or go to the Webster area, stuff like that. And I can understand why people get annoyed with it, especially when you fish those East River lakes. Um, I'm sure you've been up to... Uh, Thompson or, or Wabe or something like that when when the bite is on and there's 2,000 people out there and that can get a little frustrating because you, there's just nowhere to park and and I think a lot of our uh, the meandered water issues comes from not necessarily out of staters but just over use of some of these bodies of water so they get trashed and and I think that's where a lot of that stemmed from was just these places weren't being taken care of and it's easy to blame the out-of-staters. So that's where they lay the blame on. And I, I, I'm on the fence with all of that as well. Uh, I, I, I don't think we should be blaming the out-of-staters. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, people fishing their home waters are going to take better care of a place like that, if that makes sense. So, um, I don't know. It, it is. It's a. Uh, it's a can of worms that we've been fighting here in South Dakota for several years, especially like that meandered waters thing. That uh, that's a, a big deal, and it continues to be a big deal. So, um, I, and and even along those lines, you know, I don't know how familiar with that meandered water issue is, but you have this. Uh, water that is overtaken farm ground and if it's accessible by a road then you can go fish it legally and even though there's a, a farmer that's paying taxes on the ground that's covered in water he has no exclusive right to it and and i can i, I can definitely see both sides of that um because you know i have a lot of family that have that ranching background so you know their their ground they own is is their source of income and when they start losing that and people come in and start trashing it i can see why they get upset um but the same token if it's a a fishery that has been stocked and managed by the game fishing parks it should be accessible to anybody that uh, has a license to do so right <clears throat> that was that was really a, you know i think that whole deal is is a bad deal because the game fishing parks spent you know anglers money you know tax taxpayers money you know license buyers money to stock these bodies of water and then you know but i i do i feel for the farmers and the ranchers that you know are getting their ground trashed there's there's guides out there making money on this ground that that these guys are still paying for and there's that sense of liability you know i mean there's there's farm equipment that's in you know under the water that you know i mean there's fence posts and whatnot some guy goes flying across there on a snowmobile and and hooks a ski on you know an old fence post and who who can he go back and potentially sue a guy that didn't want him out there to begin with right you know that's a that's a, that's a tough deal that's a really bad deal it is i don't know hopefully they can get it figured out and I think for the most part they kind of do, don't they? I mean, well, they got to figure it out. I think as far as like what 
they got everything, the boundaries and everything marked where you can and can't fish and stuff like that. But it would be nice for them to get something figured out where the farmers aren't paying for that anymore and it becomes ac accessible to the general public again. I mean, work some kind of deal out so that, you know, yeah. Because, I mean, you can you can technically go anywhere that you can get on water, correct? No. Not anymore. Not that anymore. But you could. You yeah, used you, to yeah, be able yeah, to. Yeah, you used to be able to. If you could access it from a legal right away, then then you could do whatever you wanted as long as you never touched the ground. So right. if there was, if, if say on this chunk of ground there was two ponds, but uh, you could get to one, um, but you had to touch, if you had to touch two blades of grass to get to the other body of water, then you couldn't access it. But if you could stay on the water, because no one technically owns the water, then, then you could uh, fish it. Or that was the case anyway. So, like, you could go hunting on somebody's ground if there's four foot of snow and you never touch the ground because you're on the water. Well, that's a, a, a way to look at it, but no, that's not the case. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. Trying. You're trying. <laughs> hey, le legally, no. No, it's, it's crazy. I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the one that... Uh, has to sit in court and try to figure that out. I'm not, uh, I don't know. I just hope it doesn't like scare people away from like buying a license for a state and right. going and fishing there and giving it a try. Right. Cause I mean, we're all, Absolutely. I mean, we're all on the same side here. Uh, we all, we don't want anybody trash in any place. It doesn't matter if you're a resident, non-resident. I mean, shame on the people that do go there and, you know, mess it up for everybody else, whether they're residents or non-residents. What's the craziest piece of trash you've ever picked up out on the ice, Craig? Hmm, I don't even know. I don't know. I, I guess just uh, this winter, my son and I, we um, well, we come across a pile of crap, and there's beer cans and cigarette uh, containers, but then they had a bunch of those uh, the little mini bottles of liquor. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. fireballs! I bet. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> there was enough of those that they probably could have bought a big bottle. <laughs> exactly. That's just, right. Just seemed kind of funny to me that they they had that. So I don't know if they got a box of freebies from someone or something. But yeah, you know, what's your take on that? That littering on the ice. I I, I and I mean, obviously, I know uh, you're against it, but. I, I seen a lot of posts this year of people patting themselves on the back for picking it up. And um, uh, you think, are they trying to get the recognition or are they just trying to raise awareness that, hey, knock it off? Or, or where's where's your stance with that? I, just, I think a lot of like that. There's a lot of that this year. I think a lot of it is guys just trying, people trying to get a little pat on the back online to for say, sure, hey, look at, sure. toot their own horn. I mean, it go. There's a lot of people out there that just put posts on social media just so they can see how many likes they're gonna get and just to make themselves feel better. I mean, a lot of those times it's like, all right, dude, that was like three cans and a wrapper. You didn't have to post about it. You could have just. That's awesome. You picked it up, but you didn't have to make a big long post about it. I, I I've I've said it a lot of times. Like you, a good deed becomes a bad deed. When, when you've got to put it on Facebook to give yourself a pat on the back. You know what I mean? Sure. It, it's one thing if, if you take a picture of some other guy that you see picking up something and you don't know him, you take a picture of him and you post it online, you know, like, hey, met this guy at the ramp and he was out there picking up garbage. Like, right. you know, his name's Dan and he's from up north. You know, good good for Dan. You know, whatever. The, I, that post doesn't bother me. But when you're the one picking it up, when you're the one taking a picture of yourself and when you're the one that's posting it, I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I don't I don't think you're doing it to, to better the fishery, I guess. I will say I saw something very awesome it was on uh i think it was an ice fishing montana page and a guy had made a post about all this litter he picked up and called them several uh vulgar words and kind of left it at that and didn't think anything of it and then about an hour later he made another post and he called him a lot more names and he said hey by the way i found your receipt with your name on it <laughs> and so then everyone was like piling on to do their facebook uh detective work and finding out who this guy was and then the guy ended up taking 
all the trash, all the receipts, everything he found to the game wardens, and they ended up issuing the the person a fine for littering on the ice. So that was kind of cool to follow because it was about a four post thing over three days, and and uh, I'm not very active on that uh, ice fishing Montana page, but it was pretty fun to to watch that. So I was following all those posts to see if they did end up catching the guy. They they did and got a fine to him, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. One one last thing, Craig, uh, before we let you go. Yesterday uh, in the bait shop when we were picking up some chubs, uh, they had a bunch of Girl Scouts in there set up selling cookies. Uh, what's your favorite? Samoas. Samoas. <laughs> Samoas. That's I knew be... where you were getting with that one, buddy. Hey, I, I'm I... all about the Samoas. Is that the coconut ones? Yep. Yep. Crazy. No way. Oh, no yeah. way. Really? That's yours, Matt? Oh, yeah. Those some more oh. ones that Topper got yesterday weren't bad. Right, but. like I said, anytime you put a little chocolate on a graham cracker, I'm I'm game for it. But those Samoas, I I'll eat a whole sleeve before you can. I mean, no, it's like watching you, you eat a hot dog, man. It's like, dude, I oh, so but, here, Craig, here's this proper hub hub shack etiquette. I want your take on this. Okay, guy guy grilling. If you dogs. lie, if you stretch the truth at all on this, I'm gonna call you on it. I mean, this is the court of law that we're about to enter right now. Now, you have to tell the truth, or I'm going to call you yeah, on Judge it. Judge okay. Wapner Have at here. it. Have at it. So, g- grilling up some hot dogs. Hot dogs are done. Guy grilling them, hands them to the guy beside you. Do you take that as your hot dog, or do you keep passing along to the guy the furthest away in the shack? I I'm kind of a belief. You come get your own damn hot dog. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Craig. I mean, COVID, damn it. I right. Mean, I mean, Disin- I had to disinfect yeah, I didn't disinfect hand, my hands. And, and, I mean, A, you got that. B, it's my shack. C, it's my it's my grill. I mean. We did have your ATV out there. My too, ATV too. out there. Oh. I mean, for Pete's sakes, guys. You do I mean, get first hot dog. The king eats when the king wants to eat. <laughs> I, I, I knew that. I mean, us peasants in the corner yeah, just need I to mean, wait. You're nothing but get a jerk. You're nothing but a jester. I mean, you're the... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just bring me along for the entertainment. So, I mean, so apparently we had some drama in the shack yesterday, huh, fellas? I mean, you know, people get jealous, Craig. I mean, you know how it is being a being a heavy hitter like you are. I mean, you're the heavy hitter of Western Nebraska. I'm the heavy oh, hitter Nebraska. of... Nebraska? Do you just oh, call them oh, Western oh, Nebraska? Whoa. Western Nebraska. Whoa. I say, oh, oh, my that, bad. That, what? That's fighting words. That's all He's I'm gonna definitely going to punch you when my, you see him this week. <laughs> I'm going to stone cold sack tap him. I, I've got strict messages from one of my buddies, one of Craig's buddies, to uh, to whisper in Craig's ear a special message. Uh, somebody that's not going to be making it out to the Black Hills, uh, not going to be making it out for uh, the Hooked on Hardwater. So, yeah, I mean, well, you haven't heard. He is going to be here. That's right. That's right. I did hear that. He is be going here. to be there. Yeah, he yep. didn't think he was going to make it, but he is going to make it. He- that's fake this out. That's that's funny. That's All right. that's good. No, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do we want to do good news stories this week, or are we just going to call the good news story the fact that it's hooked on Hard Water Week and we're going to be rocking and rolling? It. I think that's that good. was going to be my good news story. Is I uh, um, can't wait. This is kind of my this is my Christmas. That's for sure. I, I look forward to everyone coming out. Um, you know, it, for me, it's still so amazing that I have people willing to take their time, their money, and everything to come out here and, and to be able to to put them all together. And everyone is here for one reason and one reason alone. And what, another really awesome part for me is the friendships that are made outside of it. Uh, you know, Scott, I, I mean, just meeting the Coxes and, and yeah. yeah it, doesn't take long to figure out that they're just a phenomenal group of guys too but it's just so cool that there's all these friendships outside of hooked on hard water now because of hooked on hard water i'm pretty proud of that as well beyond what we do for the boys so just awesome like i say it's my christmas i'm i'm a couple days of work ahead of me and then beyond that it's uh just nothing but good times after that absolutely well uh Hey, we look forward to seeing you in about three days. That's right. Heck yeah. So, uh, so you, what day are you guys coming out? Are you fishing the tournament? 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna actually uh Mockentoon's gonna come down, spend the night at my house Wednesday night over to Thursday, and we're gonna take off early Thursday morning and uh uh, we're going to let the, less, the rest of the pros kind of get a little bit of a head start. I mean, that's the only way to really make it fair. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want my name in all capitals on that trophy. Well, well we, can, we can arrange that. And uh, <laughs> you tap into that Midwest Angler podcast bank account, and I can sell you some waypoints for I, – I, you know, we're doing 10 panfish, so I really think it's going to be 10 bluegills is what's going to win the tournament. So – I feel um, like you're gar-holing us right now. I, I feel like you're gar-holing us on he's that been right on now. some crappy, yeah, he, some good crappy bites. He's, yeah, yeah, so he's going he's he's to pull in some big crappy. four lakes here, so it's the, big, you, the Black Hills Big Four is Sheridan, Stockade, Pactola, and um, Deerfield, so I, my crappies are safe. Can you, uh, can you fish it? Well, I mean, I could, but I'm... By the time I set up the way station and all that stuff, I just this isn't about me. I I don't want my name on that trophy. That'd just be weird. So, so I'll, I'll I'll leave it up to you guys. Okay, at Texas Roadhouse, uh, I've got my name on the wall at the one in Sioux Falls uh, for eating a forty ounce sirloin in two sides, and uh, it says Scott Sturman forty ounce sirloin, and then below it it says Gotta let the big dogs eat. So, I mean, I'm kind of used to this type of deal, you know, like getting my name on stuff. So, I, I mean, I, I really feel like I'm the front runner this year. got to let the big dogs catch. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Sturman. Hook them and cook them, baby. <laughs> All righty, well, man. fellas, you just uh, keep that positive attitude. That's oh, yeah. Yep. Winners win, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, we'll talk to you later, buddy. Hey, drive safe, fellas. Yeah, see, see you. Ya. Bye.